Uh, Romans. Romans chapter 8. Romans. Romans chapter 8. Romans, it's the fifth book of the New Testament. What the? What just happened? That just happened? Teresa, did you do that? Did somebody do that? Stinking devil. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You there? All right, I'm going to start reading it. It says, we know. Say we. Come on, say we. In other words, he's saying not just me, the guy writing this, but we. We being the guy writing it and you. We. Say we. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God to those who are called, some translations say the called according to his purpose. Because there's some that are called and there's some that aren't. That's what this Bible is telling us. Verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he predestined, so he foreknew them, he predestined them, he also called, and whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he glorified. A lot of big words, pretty much what the scripture is saying right here is that God looked down from heaven and chose and called people, and those whom he called, he justified. In other words, he said, I'm calling you, and I'm going to make you right with me. I'm going to justify you. So I'm not just going to call you and leave you in your sin, but I'm going to call you and make you right with me. See you with me? So he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, what does it say? He also, what? He also glorified. In other words, not only did he justify you, not only did he make you right, but he also made you perfect. He made you clean. So the idea is this, is that when you are called of God, when you put your faith in Christ and you become a believer, you become justified, meaning you, get, you become in a right place, in a right stance with God. But it doesn't just stop there. God actually one day will fully glorify you. In other words, you will be perfect in mind, in thought, in heart, in being, and in body. Praise God. One day you will see the manifestation, which is the realization, I'll say it that way, you will see the realization, you will realize you being fully glorified. In other words, you will one day be made perfect. But the Bible says here that not only did he call you and justify you, but he has glorified you. So the idea is this. It's the already, but not yet. It's a principle that theologians call it. Call it the already but not yet. You are already glorified, but it hasn't yet been realized. Does that make sense? You're already been made perfect in heaven, but it has not been yet realized until you die. Your earthly body dies, and one day you'll be with Jesus. Perfect, perfect, perfect. You with me? Think about it this way. 
In other words, you were nothing, and God made you perfect all because of his decision. That's what this is saying. That's good news, isn't it? Woo! Man, seriously. You guys are so excited. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? In other words, like, what are we going to do about this? If God is for us, say us. Come on, say us. If God is for us, who is against us? Come on, is against us. Is against us. If God is for us, say us. If God is for me, say me. If God is for we, say we. Then who can be against us? Say us. In other words, Paul's saying, look, the guy who's writing this, God actually is speaking through Paul and saying, look, if God did all of this, if he's on our side, who the heck's going to stand against him? Nobody. Ain't nobody. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Do you hear the language here? The language is we, and the language is us. The language is we, and the language is us, meaning people, persons. It's about us and we, not just singular. Yes, he did call you as an individual, but he called you as a people. Come on, say that with me. I, come on, say I am called with a group of people. You're called with a group. I'm so glad that I didn't just get called and was set by myself somewhere. But God actually not only called me individually, but he called us as one people. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? He's saying, look, who's going to bring a charge? Who's going to say anything against us? Elect, by the way, just simply means holy ones, saints. In our, in our language, it just means this. Who's going to bring a charge against God's chosen people? Who's going to come against God's people whom he picked out of the world and set aside who's going to come against his people god is the one who justifies who is the one who condemns christ jesus is he who died yes rather who was raised who is at the right hand of god who also intercedes for us say us come on say us who shall separate us say us from the love of Christ shall tribulation, uh-uh, say uh-uh. Come on, say uh-uh. Shall tribulation, uh-uh. Distress? Come on, come on, say uh-uh. Distress? Come on, distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? I don't know about that one. Nakedness, okay. Peril? Sword? Say uh-uh. Sometimes you got to yell. You just feel better when you just yell. Oh, I feel better already. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly, oh, I love that word. I didn't even read this before. This is good. 
But in all these things, we overwhelmingly, amen, brother, conquer through him who loved us. You know, they throw that word overwhelmingly in there because it's not an English word to describe what Paul is trying to say. Your translation might say that you are more than conquerors through Christ who loves you. But this is the New American Standard Bible, and it's trying to tell us in another language, in another word, how much you have conquered, how much you have been victorious over, how much you have triumphed over. And this particular translation says you have overwhelmingly conquered through Christ who loves us. Isn't that good? Overwhelmingly. You can't put a word to it. You can't define it. You can't describe it. Paul's writing and he's being inspired by God. And God is showing him that nothing can separate us from love and nothing can stand against us. And God's trying to tell Paul. Paul is sitting there receiving from God and saying they are more than a conqueror. Paul's like, literally, Bible tells us, if you read the Greek, the original language that it was written in, that Paul just threw words together to describe what he was trying to say right there. He made up words to describe what God was trying to show him about you being victorious and about you conquering over death, hell, and the grave. And Paul's saying, who's going to stand against us? Nobody. Say nobody. nobody. Come on, say nobody. And say no thing. It ain't no thing. For I am convinced, say convinced. Are you convinced? I mean, don't just say yeah. Think about it. Are you convinced that nothing will separate you from Christ? Because if you're not convinced, you'll walk in shame. If you're not convinced, you'll continue to condemn yourself. If you're not convinced, you'll question your salvation. If you're not convinced... You ain't going to make it. Paul says, he stopped saying we, and he stopped saying us, and he said, I am convinced. See, because it was their decision to be convinced. The truth is the truth, right? But you are the one that chooses to be convinced of the truth or not. He says, for I am lost. Where's my passage? I didn't, he didn't say that's the devil. Okay. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, not even an angel, not a principality, things present, things to come, not powers, not height, not depth, not other, any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, somebody shout. Paul says nothing. I don't care what you feel like today. I don't necessarily care. I do care, concerned about you, but I don't care what you went through today. The Bible didn't say that nothing will separate you and me and us from the love that God has for us in Christ. We could just close our Bible, go and eat some burgers right now. Bible's a good preacher. You just read the Bible. I need somebody to preach to me. Read Romans. You're desperate on how to pastor somebody? Read 1 Timothy. 
You want to know what God thinks about his church? Read Ephesians. You want to know what God thinks about legalism? Read Galatians. You want to know what God thinks about sin in the church? Read 1 Corinthians. You want to know what God thinks about how to use your gifts in the church? Read the end of 1 Corinthians. You want to know what God thinks about your motivation and how to live a godly life? Read 2 Corinthians. Read your Bible. It will preach to you better than anyone can preach because it's Jesus that's preaching to us, in us, and hopefully through us. All right, go over to Mark. It just gets better. Mark chapter 9. And then we'll pray. My gosh. Time is ticking. Lord, help me. Mark 9. I really felt like we were supposed to have that little... Uh, that was good. That little like brief moment of, of coming down to the front and responding to the Lord. So we're like 20 minutes behind, but... Come on, we're 20 minutes ahead in Jesus' name. Okay, Mark chapter 9, verse 38. You with me? Mark chapter 9, verse 38. Jesus just got done talking to his disciples because the disciples were arguing about who's the greatest. I mean, you can imagine, literally 12 dudes walking down the road, Jesus in front of them like, all right, let's figure this out, guys. We, got, we just got to figure this out. Long walk ahead of us, who's the best? So they're arguing, Jesus says, who receives... One child like this in my name receives me. He goes on. Actually, right before he says, if anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And then John said to him, teacher, we saw, some, <clears throat> sorry, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. We tried to hinder him because he was not following us. You, you can underline that if you want to. It's one of those underlining things that you underline to remind yourself when you look at the underline of what not to do. It's one of those underlines. Like you underline it and you mark, don't do this. We tried to hinder him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, come on, Jesus is speaking now, so let's look real close. He says, do not hinder him. For there is no one who shall perform a miracle in my name and be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. Key verse tonight, underline it, circle it, highlight it, verse 40. For he who is not against us is for us. He who is not against us is on our side. Let's pray. Let's pray. Ask God to do something in our hearts tonight and reveal himself. God, tonight we love you. We love you because you love us. We thank you, God, for your word that is so encouraging, God. Lord, when I am discouraged and confused and my mind is all over the place, I just continue to go back to your word. It's my rock. It's my strong place. I thank you, God, that in your word and with your and by your spirit, God, there is life. And God, I thank you that you have breathed life into us tonight. And God, we just want more life. God, we want to be filled with your life. We want to know what your purpose is. We want to know what your plan is. God, we want to know what you have for us as a church. God, we don't want to do what John and the other disciples did. Help us understand what you desire for us. And God, as Harry Potter comes out, Lord, I just pray for all those kids that go watch that movie. Not that it's a bad movie, Lord, but it's bad kids, Lord. And I just pray. Guys, I'm serious. Pray with me. Lord, I pray. God, that you would uh, 
show them that it's not in magic, but it's in Jesus that we are all saved. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hey, so we live in a day and an age where recycling is cool. Uh, we live in a day and age where going to uh, uh, Value Village is cool. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we live in a day and age where going to the dump to get clothes is cool. Oh, I'm just kidding. No, I was kidding. That was too far. That was a little too far. No, but true, though, like, we live in a day where going to Moose's Tooth, sorry, that's always cool. So we live in a day and an age where buying something used is cool. I mean, they say that if you buy a car brand new, say brand new, that, honey, what is it? Like when you drive it off the car lot, how much value does it lose? Anybody know? My goodness. He's like 8,000. He like has a little journal out and uh, uh, seriously, 8,000. Well, we don't know the actual price, but does anybody know the value? It's like five. I think it's 10%. I heard it was 10%. That's what I was going to say, but I heard it was 10% of its value when you drive it off the lot. You know what? It loses 80% of its value when you drive it off the lot. I'm just kidding. So people don't like to buy something brand new. Because literally, when you drive it off the lot, it loses lots of it. Literally, you just drive it off the lot and it's pff, ding, 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 ding. You just lose money. Like you can hear just money falling out of your car. What is that? I don't know. It's money being lost. We buy used cars. How many love Craigslist? Craigslist? My goodness. My mother-in-law is like the, the queen of Craigslist shopping. She like knows exactly how to do it. You're like, hey, can you find me? And before you finish your sentence, she like has it at your door. Like, here you go. This is what you wanted, right? Literally, like she's really good at buying things off. Like, how, how hard is it? You just call up the number and you have them deliver it to you. Well, no, like, she knows how to find things. And how many of you are really good at just getting things off Craigslist? <laughs> There's one in the back. Pray for him, Lord. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not that good at all at, at getting anything for, for Craigslist. or I don't even go to Value Village except during um, Halloween. <laughs> uh, which, I don't have nothing against it. I'm just saying that I just think it's, it's really crazy how we as humans today, it's becoming cool and actually more convenient to just buy things that are used. Recycle, I would say. Just, we're really good at recycling. I was considering this, this today as I was thinking about people that uh, go and do things like that and just was praying for them. No, I'm just kidding. And I was thinking, and as I was thinking about this, I just... I, 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 I saw this, this parallel with people who buy used things and recycle them and our God who bought something used and recycled it. You know, if there's anyone that's good at recycling, it's God. If there's anyone that knows how to take something that's been worn down, that's been beaten down, that's been torn down, that's been destroyed, and knows how to redeem it, it's God. 
if there's anyone that knows how to go through a bowl of really bad pears and find the worst pear that's bruised, who does it? God. Finds the worst pear that's bruised and beat up and pulls it out and makes it look like the best pear, it's God. If there's anybody who knows how to go and get a used car that's broke down, beat down, shut down, and destroyed and redeem it, it's God. God is a really good recycler. He knows how to take things that are dirt and form it and breathe life into it and make it worth something. Because he took you and he took me. And he took us who are on the used shelf and had a big price tag on it because the one that was selling it knew that only one person would give anything for this. And we were on that shelf and there's a really big price tag and everything and every angel and every demon would just walk past it. Too pricey, too pricey. It was the devil's shop, if you will. I don't know what we want to call it. I was going to say something, but some of you are throwing something at me. (laughs) Jesus walked up in there one day. And there was a picture, because you couldn't fit all the things in this store. You couldn't fit all the people. And there was a picture of a people. And in the title it said, God's Special People. His own special people. Price, the blood of the Son of God. Jesus walked up in there. He's the only one that could pay for that. Any other merchant that would come by would see that. If you look at the picture... They weren't only dead, but they were buried. They weren't only run down, they were destroyed. It wasn't one of those things you could walk into a store, you know. You know, some place you walk up to at a store or you go to a car. You say, I could use that. I could, I could make that look a little bit better. Or you're shopping for a house. I, can, I could spiff that up and make it look pretty nice. It wasn't, it wasn't one of those kind of things. It wasn't one of those instances where you could find value in it. You know, before Christ, there was no value in us. Apart from Jesus, no merchant would walk by and go, Dang! Why is that on that shelf? I mean, this, it was so bad that we should have been in the back room. With the trash. Jesus said, I'm going to purchase those people. And I'm going to redeem those people. And those people are going to step on the owner of this store's head. And they're going to be more than conquerors through me. Jesus, he's really, really good at recycling. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says, you don't have to go there. You can write it down if you want. But Acts 20, 28, Paul is talking and he says, 
take care of the flock that God has given you. The Holy Spirit has asked you to be shepherds of. And he says this, the church that Christ has purchased with his own blood. You know why Jesus bled and died? He bled and died for a bunch of run-down, destroyed people like you and I to pay for you because it required it of him. Because of your life, because of the decisions that you made and the decisions that I made and the decisions that we made as a bad people, God is a God of law and order, and it required of him to spread blood, to shed blood for the people that he was going to purchase. And he took it, and he bore it, and he, pot, and he bought it. His blood purchased your soul. And not only that, listen, you've heard that before. But there's something you might not have heard. That his blood purchased, listen, all those whom he has called. The Bible tells us that God has purchased his own special people. You have been purchased. Now, I don't got to be a genius, and you don't got to be a genius, to realize that when someone purchases something, that they own it. So when the Bible tells us that God purchased you, the Bible is insinuating and indirectly saying that God owns you, and that you are no longer kept by the enemy, but you are now in the hand of of the one who purchased you. And he not only purchased you as an individual, but he purchased you as a people. And we must understand not only our individual calling, but we must understand our corporate and our calling as a body. That God didn't just purchase you as an individual, but God purchased us as a church. That God purchased in advance. When he hung on a cross, Jesus was considering the church that would reside in Anchorage, Alaska. And there's people still that he has purchased that are not a part of the church of Anchorage yet that Jesus is about to bring in to his people. But when we read here in Romans chapter 8, it says that you are called and that you are the elect or the called out ones, the set apart ones, the chosen people. Listen to me. Romans chapter 9, a chapter later, verse 25 and 26 says, I will call a people who are not a people, and I will make them my people. You must understand something. Listen to me. You are not anything. And God has made you his people. When the Bible says that you are holy people, That just simply means that he has taken you out of a group of people and set you apart and said, you are my people. 
God has specifically, he has intentionally called your name and called us out of time and history and space and the people that reside among us and said, you are now my people. There's two kinds of people. Say two. Come on, say two. If we could sum it up from heaven, there's only two kind of people. Say two. Don't forget this because there's only two. There's not three. There's not four. There's not five. There's not six. If we sum it up from God's perspective, from him looking down on earth or from him walking among his people on earth, there's only two kind of people. There's those who are his church and there's those who are not his church. There's two kind of people. Listen, you must understand that you are not just a bunch of people that came together to be a part of a cute organization. You're not just a bunch of people trying to mimic boys and girls scout club. You're not just a bunch of people trying to be cute and nice and fun and have some cool vision, and you give money to support that vision, and you're trying to compete with other organizations. You are not just the people who said, you know, we're going to come together and we're going to make something happen and we're going to change this world and we're going to be a movement for Jesus. You must understand that you did not start this thing, but God started this thing. That he looked down and he said, I'm doing something. I'm creating a movement. I'm choosing the people. I will build it. I will maintain it and I will finish it. You are not just a part of a nice organization. You are a part of the God's people. You are a part of the church of the living God. That is really important for you to understand. That you are a part of something that is bigger than you. The Bible says that you have been, Ephesians chapter 2, says that you have been seated in heavenly places. Philippians chapter 3, the Bible says that your citizenship is in heaven. You're first a citizen of heaven, and you're secondly a citizen, citizen of the United States of America. But your citizenship, your primary, and your last, your first, and your last citizenship is in heaven. The Bible tells us that you are his own special people. You are a nation. You are a royal priesthood. You got you to gotta ask God to open your eyes to see who you really are. And that's my prayer tonight. See, we as Christians, we have too low, we have too of an Americanized perspective and view of the church. the church of God. He planned this. Since Eve, since Adam blew it, he planned this. He planned you. He planned it in Anchorage, and he will finish it. You've got to understand that you're bigger than something than you. And you must understand that you're bigger than just an organization. You must understand that the people in your family, the people in your calling, the people in your nation, the, the, the number of the stars cannot even compare with the people that God has brought you into. 
We're not just trying to be a glorified boys and girls club. Because that's what some people want church to be, you know? Come together and do good things. Boys and girls club got nothing against Jesus' people. Now, if Jesus' people are inside of the boys and girls club, sweet. But we're not an organization started by a human being. And we're not an organization that will end with a human being. If you want to say it was a human being, fine. It was the God-man Jesus. He started it and he will finish it. Chew on that this week. And secondly, the Bible says that you are more than conquerors through him. In other words, not only are you his people, but you are really, really, really overwhelmingly victorious. In other words, there's death, and not, you did not only just beat death, you overwhelmingly, victoriously destroyed and conquered death. The Bible tells us that there is disease, and you not only just kind of beat disease, but you overwhelmingly conquered disease. The Bible tells us that there is sin that binds us and controls us. And many of us in this room right now know what sin that binds us and controls us feels like and looks like. And the Bible tells us just there in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, that you have overwhelmingly conquered through Christ. In other words... There is nothing that us as the church have not conquered. We may not have realized it yet. We may not have seen it yet. It may not have been manifest yet, but we have conquered it. It's already done. It just hasn't yet been realized. Now, let's just think about it this way, about Anchorage. If we are the church of God, called out, set apart, set aside for God to do a move in our city, you with me, right? Okay, if that's the purpose, if that's if that's what God has done and that we're more than conquerors, then my question for you tonight is what does the church of Anchorage look like if we are more than conquerors in Anchorage? Who's going to stand against God's elect? Who's going to bring a charge against God's people? The Bible says that you're more than a conqueror. What does that look like? What about a city? What, what, what about a city that is more than conquering through Christ? Or how about this? What about a church that is in a city that is more than conquering in Christ? What does that look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. Hundreds of people are being healed of sickness and disease. Families are being restored and redeemed. Businesses are being turned upside down because co co-workers that people work with are getting saved. Homeless people that have been on the streets their whole life find homes. People that are emotionally distressed and worn down and beat down and destroyed find family. People that are alone and discouraged and beaten and weary. Find life. A city that is not falling, and it's not even just barely making it, 
but a city that is more than conquering through Christ. Does anybody else want a city that's more than conquering through Christ? Because you know what? If we're not doing that, then what the heck are we doing? You know, I want to preach big because the Bible talks big. And I just want to preach what the Bible talks. And I want to talk what the Bible preaches. And the Bible tells us that we're more than conquerors and we're called out and set aside for him. In other words, we are called out in our city. In other words, there's only two people in our city. There's those who are believers together and there's those who are not believers. And I want to be a part of that family, that church, that special called out people that are conquering in Christ in our city. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe God will give you a dream tonight. Maybe God will speak to you on your way home. Maybe God will speak to you right now. I don't know exactly what a church looks like that is conquering, but I do know that it looks a lot different than the way it looks right now. And I want it really bad. Because, listen, listen, that's what Jesus purchased. He purchased a conquering church. And the church ain't conquering right now. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against his people. And I really want to see the church of God super victorious, overwhelmingly conquering in our city. What does that look like? What does that smell like? What's a city smell like? that's overwhelmingly being conquered by the church of God. Mark chapter 9. I want to look at this as we close. I wish I had more time. I don't really have enough time. But as we close, I just want to look at this passage that I just read, Mark chapter 9, 38, 40. This guy says, you got to understand something. John, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, says, hey, we just saw a dude who's casting out demons. The Bible doesn't give his name. You with me? The Bible just says, hey, we saw someone. Say someone. Say someone. In other words, this guy wasn't one of the 12 disciples. He was just someone that heard Jesus preaching and teaching and said, I'm doing that. Thanks, bro. I I received that word, and I'm going to do it. Doesn't even give his name because it's not about his name. It's about the someone who said, I received that word, and I'm going to go conquer through Christ. Y- you with me? You got to you 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 think about this. At this point in time, Jesus was doing crazy things. People were being raised from the dead. Healed of sicknesses and disease. Bible said everywhere he went, he laid his hands on everyone and they were healed. He appeared at places. He disappeared from places. Didn't matter what they had. Didn't matter what they went through. Didn't matter what was going on. Jesus did it. Bam. Done. Jesus was the superstar in Jerusalem. Everybody thought Jesus was like Justin Bieber. I mean, Jesus was just the man. So you think about it this way. Who's the coolest person in our day? <laughs> Justin Bieber's. 
We'll say Michael Jackson. We'll say Michael Jackson. Kobe Bryant. Reed Anderson. We'll say, we'll say, we'll say, uh, we'll say, uh, we'll say Michael Jackson for the sake of just his popularity. What the heck, man? We got too many opinions in this room. Look, I'm going to, I'm going to pick one person. Just, just, just. Yes, yeah, just go with it. Scooby-Doo. So Scooby-Doo is the coolest person with me, right? Come on, say Scooby. Come on, say us some Matthew. Scooby. Do. Now, Scooby-Doo is the coolest person on our planet. Would you just listen to my message? I need some help, brother. Scooby-Doo's a person right now. And he's the coolest dude ever. Yes. Oh, thanks, man. Everybody wants to be around Scooby. Not Kobe, Scooby. Everybody wants to be around Scooby-Doo the dude. And who's ever really close to Scooby-Doo the dude? Is Scooby-Doo to dudes closest peeps? <laughs> I count you in, dog. Nope. Just kidding. <laughs> I didn't know who that was. Jesus was the dude. And these 12 disciples were the coolest guys around town they were the disciples of jesus they hung out with him they ate at his table you with me and they go hey you're not a part of our group you can't be doing that looks familiar These disciples are a lot like us today. We look for a name. We want to build a name for ourselves. Or we look for names. Follow me now, listen. And I'm going to mention a bunch of names, and I mean nothing against any of these names, but all of these names are under one banner, and we must keep that straight. I'm talking about names like Jesus culture. I'm talking about names like Bethel. I'm talking about names like Hillsong Church. I'm talking about names like Morning Star. I'm talking about names like Elevation. These are all churches in our nation. And you can go down the list on every other name that has created a name for itself. God has not asked us to build a name. And God has not asked us to make a monument of ourselves. God has not asked us to make a movement. You hear what I just said? God never asked you to make a movement. He never asked me to make a movement. Jesus made the movement, and we are a bunch of people following Jesus. 
Jesus is doing a movement. Either we're on that ship or we're not. We're not building a name. I'm not trying to get GM to be the cool name in our city. I'm not trying to get GM to spread around the world. Honestly, I don't give a crap about that name. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus is our banner. And he's the Lord over all of us. And there's one name that we are submitted to. Because I tell you, if hardship and trials and tribulations face us, GM will mean nothing, but Jesus will mean everything. I mean, no dis grace or anything against gm it stands for something it means something a bunch of young people come together to worship jesus and to follow him but we're not building a movement we're not building a monument we are following jesus we are god's called out special people for one purpose that is to glorify him and to make his name known in this world And Jesus cannot stand sex. I didn't say sex, S-E-X. He loves it. I said Jesus. He made it. He created it. I said Jesus cannot stand S-E-C-T-X. He cannot stand when people create us for and no more. That's what they were doing. What am I saying? I'm saying... That there is one church in this world. One. There may be many gatherings, and they may call themselves many different things. But there is one church. And the last thing I want to do, and the last thing God calls us to do, is to try to create our own name. And try to compete with somebody else, or to try to build our own monument of our own ministry. What if, what if that was real? What if there was really just one people that said, we're the church? Well, Gabriel, there is. Yeah, but, but what if they had one vision and one purpose? Because there's lots of churches in our city with lots of visions and lots of purposes. There's lots of people in this room with lots of purposes and lots of visions. God didn't ask you to come up with another vision. He asked you to get on board with the vision that he has for this city. God didn't ask you to go start another movement. You already said, God is not asking you to go start another movement. There's plenty of movements already going. There's plenty of names already being built. There's plenty of monuments already being established and have been established and have already been worshipped and glorified. Jesus is not asking us or you to do that. He's asking you to get on board with the vision and the purpose that he has for this city. What I'm saying is this. Be a part of your church. Be a part of this family and stop thinking that you know everything and stop thinking that your vision is better and stop thinking that your purpose is better and don't think that you got to go somewhere else to be a part of God's purpose because you're just going to go somewhere else and try to start your own thing. We don't need any more movements. We don't need any more purposes. Be a part of your church. Be a part of your family and get on board with what God's purpose is for the city. What if every single city 
had one people that all came together and said, we're the people of God, and we're fighting for our city. Right now, that's not happening in this city. And if there's anything that I want to build and maintain, it's that. What I'm saying is we have an event coming up next Friday night, the Jake Hamilton concert. And the purpose of that is, of course, to God, that, that God would be a blessing, sorry, that Jake Hamilton and his team that would come and be a blessing to our city, to our city, not to our youth ministry, not to Abilute Community Church, but to the church of Anchorage. What I'm saying is we got to stop getting so focused on our own little youth ministry and remember that it's nothing about our youth ministry. It's about his youth ministry. It's about his ministry. It's about his church. And that church is not subcategorized in heaven. Once again, when God looks down from earth, he does not see Abbott Loop and Change Point and ACC and FCC and ABT. He doesn't see that. When he looks down, he sees children of God and those who are not the children of God. But we have subcategorized it too much. Why? Because we're all about our own name. I hope somebody's offended. I like to offend. Because we have wrong thinking and wrong perspective. And I pray Jesus would destroy it. What if, just, just as I, I'm going to say this last thing, we're going to pray. And we're going to go have some fun out in the parking lot. What if, I'm talking to my friend Cameron Ramirez. We were talking about this this week, praying about this and considering this. And he goes, what if every church, Cameron says, what if every church in our city, what if the name of the church changed from ALCC or FCC or the city church? or What if every church changed from their name to the church of Anchorage? What would happen if every people actually were in unity in the church. What, what would happen if, if there was real unity among the people of God? I know what would happen. It would be a church that would be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. That's what would happen. But it's not happening. And I want to be a church that says, hey, we're going to do that. You know why? Because that hasn't been done in a city before since Paul. It hasn't happened yet. And I believe God's calling us to make that happen. In other words, let me sum it up. I believe God is calling us to be super victorious, more than conquerors through Christ as one church in our city. What I'm saying is, if you're from other youth groups, cool, because there's one youth group. If you're from another church, cool, because there's one church. And we need to do more things together, and you shouldn't feel bad. Now, this, I do say this, though. You should be committed and under somebody. I'm not saying you run around, you just go crazy, you do whatever you want to do. I'm saying you should be committed and under a human being that is your leader in Christ. I am not saying, well, I'm free to go wherever I want to go. No, the Bible does encourage us to be a part of a family that we would say is our home as a local gathering and that we would give financially, spiritually, emotionally, and relationally in those places. But hear me out. What if that happened? What if every church was one church and they said hey what's going on in anchorage oh i know what's going on they all just got together and said hey we're just going to find one vision and one purpose and we're going to do this thing would you stand with me i went really late tonight i think we're going to have a barbecue here in 22 minutes
I guess, you know, you go, Gabriel, I, I, I want to I leave here with something. What do I do? How do I practically apply this? I think my number one purpose for saying all this tonight was that you'd get a vision for what God desires for our city. And I tell you the truth, I can't in any word or in any words or in any message paint a perfect picture of what God wants for this city. But I wanted to kind of put out some guidelines for you to go, okay, this is what God wants. He wants unity. Can you say that with me? Unity. As we read in Romans 8, it's about we, it's about us, it's about one church in Christ Jesus that is conquering in our city. Amen? So how do we do that? Let's start, let's start with this. Get involved with the brothers and sisters that are here. And look for other brothers and sisters that are in our city and build a relationship with them as well. Summing it up, just love each other. That's what God wants. Spend time with each other. Encourage each other. And don't get so caught up in your little group, but invite and include people into your group. That's what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the summer. But I must first start with this reality that we are one church in our city, and we need to bring unity. Amen? Lord God, thank you so much, so much for calling us as your special people. God, I thank you that when you saw us on the shelf, you didn't forget about us or neglect us or forsake us. But you called us and chose us and purchased us. Thank you so much for your love that never fails. And God, I pray that you would cause us to be one. Knit us in this gathering. Cause us to be one. But God, I pray something you showed me four years ago, that our city would be in unity. That is your heart. That is your desire. And God, I pray and we pray. We join together with one heart. And God, we say, make unity. Bring unity. And cause us and help us to do that in our city. In Jesus' name. Amen.